Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. So let's start in verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. When I started this sermon and I started to think about, about hope and futures and, and strength, I started to think about my own children and thinking about as they were growing up. And the thing that I thought about the most was when they first started walking. How many of you remember that when, when brothers or sisters or nieces or children started walking and you're around them? Now, I, I warned my children I was going to, not too much to embarrass them with this morning, but, but I warned them that I was gonna, they were going to be in there. Savannah used hers to see in her world around her when she started to stand and walk. She would peer out windows and doors so she could see everything around her. She also wanted to use it to peer into the refrigerator to find the treats she wanted. So, you know, when you can stand a little higher and you can reach a little higher, all of a sudden you can get the things you want in life. Lucius did his to get access to people, access to the cats, and access to my iced coffee. I actually have, video, I actually have photographic evidence of that one. So, Caden's, she's a little different. You know, most kids, they learn to walk and they kind of try to explore the world around them. They see the things around them, not Caden's. Caden's was the one that headed right for the steps in our house. And our steps in our house were not like this, they were pretty much almost straight up and down. So she made us a little nervous. And Ivy, Ivy just wanted to see everything. She wanted to get into everything. She wanted everything that wasn't hers. It belonged to her brothers and sisters. But the reason that I thought about this is the fact that as we start this book of Romans, the book of the chapter five, it says that we're justified by faith, that we have peace through God, in our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith. And I got to thinking about that. As we become Christians, we start to realize the access we have to God all of a sudden. And when we do that, we begin to walk in completeness. We begin to realize our surroundings and the truths that are around us. Now, knowing that, we have to have balance and stability. You've watched those kids start to walk, right? Balance and stability? Well, we have that. We have that in faith. We have that in peace. Faith is that finished completeness 
And the peace that we talk about here too is a complete peace. It's absolute and it's all-encompassing. And in that we can rejoice and we can be happy. Think about the times when you couldn't do something and all of a sudden you could. I'm thinking about the fact, another thing that comes to mind to, for me is, is my daughter is getting ready to take the dreaded driver's ed. She is going to have access to a vehicle, a motor vehicle. We're going to hand her keys. She's going to stick them in there. She's going to start the engine. She's going to drive away. She has access to something she never has before. We have that asset, access to God, that sort of access. He hands us the keys to things through his grace, through his peace, through his faith. And those are words we hear about all the time in the church. We hear, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We hear, we hear Romans 11 thrown around. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We hear about all those things. But there's a word in here that we don't always hear about as much in the church, in our Christian lives, and that's hope. Faith, peace, and grace, they're all great things. We all need to know about them. They're all the foundations. They're, they're the things that, that allow us to move forward and be joyful in the new things that we get to do in Christ. Without them, what would Christianity be? But here we must see the response of man to the truths of God, that, that rejoicing. Rejoicing and hope are often overlooked concepts in the modern Christian life. Like faith and peace and grace, these concepts are, are, are sometimes they're just thrown around. We hear them in praise courses. It's not that the praise courses are bad. It's just that we hear them so often we forget their meaning and their importance. And here we see rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Rejoicing is the act of praise by which we express the overflowing of our own hearts when we come in contact with Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you've ever heard the story, uh, the story, but it, I heard it in multiple sermons, and so so please forgive me if you've heard it before. But uh, a gentleman was teaching a Sunday school class and talking about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and inviting Jesus into your heart. And after the service, after the Sunday school class, there's a little boy in his class sitting in the corner, crying horribly, just weeping. And he's like, I don't know what I see. He's trying to think if he said something horrible, if he, you know, did he say something to offend somebody? So he goes up to the little boy and he goes to see what's the matter. And the boy turns to him and says that he wants to have Jesus in his heart. But he's so small. He's just a little boy. And Jesus was a full-grown man. And if he tries to put Jesus in his heart, Jesus would just stick out all over. That's what our rejoicing should be. That's what our hope should be. Is that once we have Jesus in our hearts, once we have that hope and that joy, he should just stick out all over. 
We should see that. We should see that in our lives. But we have this access to grace and his glory, and we can rejoice. We can hope in so many things. We can hope for rain. We can hope for sun. We can hope for warmer weather. We can hope. I mean, I mean, I was just talking to Dan this morning. You know, we he have to hope for the right conditions so you can get the plants in the field. You got to hope for for the weather to clear up long enough to get your house power washed if you want to paint it. You have to, you know, you have to hope for a day off so you can get your house clean. You have to hope that someday, maybe, you know, if you're a Vikings fan, maybe they'll win the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, everybody's laughing at that one because, we, you know, it's kind of like, you know, being a Cubs fan, you know. You hoped forever that, you know, and that hope finally paid off for Cubs fans, so there is hope for Vikings fans. But real hope, on the other hand, shines directly from the glory of God. Think about the children of Israel in Exodus. Led out of Egypt, they're getting ready to cross the Red Sea. This pillar of fire leads them across. And, it, and, and God's presence is right there with them. What a thing to be hopeful of. He's right there. Pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Knowing that God is there all the time. He didn't leave. And that's the hope that resides in us now as Christians, that hope that God is ever-present with us and can lead us and will, and will never lead us astray. Knowing that, we go through trials every day. Some are great. Some are just minor. You know, we've all had those mornings that we, we nothing just, nothing goes right. You spill your coffee when you're going out the door. You get to your car. You have to go back inside and grab something. Little problems. We, you know, we have those. But there are those days, too, that we, we find out some, a loved one's died. There are those days that we find out something else that's horrible has happened in our lives. Sometimes those, those trials are so great they seem to have the ability to swallow us whole. Our ability to cope and to thrive and to rejoice and to have real hope is in Christ. That's the message of the real hope we're talking about here this morning. But Paul goes on to say something really interesting. And it's something that makes, sometimes makes us uncomfortable as Christians. Because it says that it's the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And in verse 3 it says, And not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Not a word we want to hear. Tribulations aren't little problems. Tribulations are those big monstrous problems that, that can overwhelm and overshadow us. But these are the hard things in life that allow us to lean on Christ and have hope in him. God's hope will never disappoint us. If you remember back in John 6, to kind of set the scene there, 
Jesus has just, if you put it in the in chronological order, Jesus has just given the Sermon on the Mount. People are disappointed. People are walking away. I, I know it's a different book, Matthew and John. So <laughs> don't get confused. But, but chronologically, people are walking away because Jesus said some hard things. And Jesus turns around to the disciples and he says, okay, guys, are you going to leave too? And Peter turns into him and just says, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And we know that we glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulations produce what? Perseverance. You have the words of eternal life, and we can persevere knowing that you are giving us truth, that you are giving us hope, that you are giving us life. And it says that that tribulation produces perseverance, being able to follow through and go through, and that perseverance produces character. True character as a defining attribute of who we are as we reflect the true character of Christ who is living within us. A, a, good, a good set of verses that Paul also gave us here are the, the fruit of the Spirit and they really do truly show what true Christian character is all about. If I had a bunch of the kids from Sunday school, they could rattle them off for you just like that. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, against which there is no law. When we persevere, people begin to see that character in us. Perseverance produces character, and character does what? It produces hope. Remember that hope we were talking about at the beginning here? It is a hope that lives in reality and it doesn't disappoint because the love of God, God's, God's all-encompassing and, and, and love that goes beyond any measure that we have, that agape love, is not just given, but it's poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. And that's what it says there in verse 5. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, if you go on and you read the rest of Romans, this is only one tiny tip of the iceberg that we can see. And it all starts with, with this hope. But what do we do with it? We can, we can talk about we can talk about hope. We can talk about suffering. We can talk about tribulations. Look at some of the people we've had in the last hundred years that I mean that I can think of. I think of people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer who, who lived and, and produced some of the most amazing works of theology through, through the darkest days of Germany. I think of people like Corey Tenboom who were who was imprisoned for her faith and then went on to do amazing things. I think of men um, who, who we read about through the Voice of the Martyrs, if you're familiar with that, named Richard Wormbrand, 
who was who was jailed and abused and beaten for his faith. I also think of a guy, and you know, you know, this is a little not quite as extreme, but I also think of a guy by the name of Bruce Olson. He was a Minnesotan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was a missionary in in, in Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela. And uh, when he first went down there, he had no money, no food, no nothing. He just went down there as a 19-year-old. I'm going to be a missionary. Let's fly to the middle of nowhere in South America and become a missionary. And he'd gotten himself out in the middle of the jungle. We're not talking about, you know, our nice little forest with a few ticks and some spiders. We're talking about big, bad South American Amazon-type jungle. And he would wake up and his hands and his feet would be bitten and blistered. And one night he had fallen asleep in the jungle and he is having this dream that a butterfly was landing on his mouth and tickling his throat. He hadn't eaten in days. He thought, oh, it's just because I'm hungry. And he woke up and he felt something tickling his throat. And he reached in and because his stomach was so empty and he had been living in the jungle on all this food and had been exposed to all these parasites, he literally had parasites going up his throat and he had to pull them out. And I know that sounds gross, but you know, we talk about tribulations. We worry about someone calling us a bad name in America. But when was the last time you starved in the middle of a, a jungle and had to deal with something like that? Or some of the men that were in prison with Richard Wormbrand who had to go clean the heads of, of nuclear weapons. And he'd be exposed to 300, 400, 500 times the amount of deadly radiation most people were every day and lived through it. All because they, they stood for Christ. We have to live through the tribulations we have to live through the trials we have to live through the things that God puts in our path why because our tribulation produces perseverance we make it through through him we can make it through those things our, that perseverance produces character if you ever got to see, I, I didn't get to see him personally, but I got to see a video interview with Richard Wormbrand when he was in his 80s. And he's sitting there in his chair and he's cracking jokes and he's laughing and he's joyful. But he's serious too. And you see God's love and you see the character that God built in that man over years of, of both suffering and service. And that character producing hope in our lives because when you look at the people around you and you see the things that they've gone through and they still cling to Christ and they still cling to that hope you can have hope because you see Christ in them that means when tribulation and suffering come we just take them on they're put in our path not because we want, oh boy, look, something bad's going to happen in my life. I'm so pumped. None of you say that, do you? It's like, I want something bad to happen to me tomorrow so I can prove how good a Christian I am. There's, there's nobody in this world that would say that. 
Even Jesus in the garden, when he was, he was willing to go to the cross for us, said, Lord, if there's any other way that this cup can be passed for me, let it be passed. If it can't be, then so, so be it. Because for the joy that was set down before him, he endured the cross. Joy. Usually the cross and joy don't match up, especially when you're in first century Roman provinces where it's the way they kill murderers, thieves, and lowlifes. I mean, Roman citizens weren't even killed on crosses. So, when suffering and tribulation come, we take them. And the thing that I like to think about is this. Is Jesus was sitting down with the disciples and Jesus turns to Peter, if you remember this, and he says, Peter, the devil has asked for you to sift you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be sifted like that by anybody. But then he turns to Jesus, or Jesus turns to Peter and says something. He says, don't worry, I'm praying for you. So on this side of heaven, we can live in hope. We can live in a life that has been provided for us, knowing that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. And that's the thing. It's not our strength that's going to get us through these trials and tribulations. Jesus told Peter he'd pray for us. We have the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. In fact, the strength and the power that Jesus gives through the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is the Greek word dunamis, which is the same word we get dynamic or dynamite from, explosive power. All the power in one itty-bitty little package. There was a man who lived in Canada. He was a poet. His name was Theodore Henry Shackelford. He lived from 1888 to 1923. And he is a very little-known poet, but wrote a poem called Hope. And this comes from a man who, even living in Canada at that time, was, was a man of African descent. Family was, came from a family of slaves and was living in Canada and wrote these words. Oh, hope into my darkened life, thou hast so often descended. My helpless head from failure's blows thou also hast defended. When circumstances hard and mean which I could not control did make me bow my head with shame, thou comforted my soul. When stumbling blocks lay all around when my steps did falter, then did my sacred fires burn upon my soul's high altar. Often was my very blackest night scarcer darker than my day. 
but thou dispelled those clouds of doubt and cheered my lonely way. E'en when I saw my friends forsake and leave me for another, then thou, O hopes, did cling to me still closer than a brother. Thus with thee near I groped my way through that long, gloomy night, till now, yes, as I speak, behold, I see the light. We have a hope. And this morning, if you are suffering, if you might maybe just have some minor irritations in life, or maybe you have a lot of minor irritations that are adding up to just, just a raw spot in your life. I don't know. But I would ask that you remember that God's hope will never disappoint us. Christ will never disappoint us. The people around us, may our circumstances may disappoint us. Nothing in this world will ever meet the hope of Christ. But we can turn to his mercy and grace and love knowing that. And in verse 6 in, in Romans chapter 5 really just lays this all out because it says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That term, due time, it means, it means at the, the exact time it needed to happen. Now, like I said, I'm not as, as long-winded and as, uh, as uh, verbose as others. I can be, but, I mean, we can take a five-minute break and start on with another hour. But, but let's pray and, and find ourselves assured in the hope of Christ this morning. So I'll have the, if the worship team would come up, we'll pray.